Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Did you enjoy that hour this morning? Did you, uh, do you think you're like at the 11 o'clock service at all? Do you feel like <laughs> If this is your first time with us, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm, my name is Tim, senior pastor here at the church. And uh, we are going to close out our series this morning uh, as we've looked at a prophet in the Old Testament named Elijah. And before we jump into this, I want to pray. And uh, then we're going to close this out. So if you would, just pray with me. Father, thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather this morning to look at your word. Uh, Lord, we uh, ask for you to come. I ask for you to help me in my weakness. Uh, Give me the gift of teaching for the next few minutes, Father, and uh, just come and show us what you want us to know. And Lord, we lift up those uh, today in need. I lift up the family that was mentioned to me uh, before I stepped up here, family in Omaha, the family who is needing a touch from you this morning, the father, the children, uh, Lord Owen and Travis, and uh, Lord, we lift the other child up to you, the whole family. Uh, They need an intervention from you this morning. We ask for good news. We ask for help with the doctors. And Lord, we ask for you to help us even here this morning and uh, open up your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have, I don't know about you, I have enjoyed this series, Getting to Know Elijah. It's been fun. Uh, I want to recap a little bit with him today that uh, Elijah was just a plowboy, uh, probably a good, strong 18, 20-year-old young guy being faithful on his dad's farm, uh, plowing with 24 oxen. So you know the dude was in shape. I mean, you know, plowing out there, just doing his thing, when all of a sudden the, the prophet Elijah shows up, takes his coat, his prophetic coat or mantle, as they called it, of like animal skins and all that would identify him as the prophet, took his coat, walked over to Elijah as he was plowing and threw it over his shoulders, which was a metaphor for saying, hey, tag, you're it. That, I mean, that's like, now you're the prophet or you're going to be the prophet. This is your call. Elijah walks off, takes his coat with him, puts it on him and walks off And Elijah runs after him, and uh, eventually Elijah says, I want to say goodbye, and Elijah does everything he can to try to let him off the hook. He says, what what is that to me? Go ahead and do what you want to. He'll have three more opportunities in his life, actually, to turn around and come back. If you read the whole story, Elijah gave Elijah three other times where, like, hey, you don't need to go on with me. You can go back. And every time, Elijah goes, nope, wherever you go, I'm going. This is my inheritance, and I'm going to get it. I'm not turning back. And so Elijah goes back. He kills his cows, and he burns his plows, right? Takes his oxen, everything that had to do with his life at that time, his uh, way of making a living, all of it. He takes it. He cooks up some steaks, makes a barbecue pit with the plows, calls his family, calls his good friends. They get around, have a wonderful going-away party for Elijah, and he takes off after Elijah. For the next 15, 18 years or so, uh, 
We don't hear much. As a matter of fact, we don't hear anything of Elijah. We watch Elijah, but we know Elijah is following Elijah and being trained for those years, being mentored. Well, Elijah asked one thing of Elijah. He said, look, if you can give me anything, all I want is to have double what you got. (laughs) I mean, I've seen you, dude. I've seen what God's doing in you, and I want twice as much. Now, you know, you can look at that and go, boy, what a bold young man. Or you can look at that and go, you know what? I want every single thing and more God has for me. If I see that in someone else, there's a part of me that goes, give me every bit of it and give me more. I want more. You got to admire that. You got to look at this young man and go, he wants even more than Elijah. And Elijah had an unbelievable life. But indeed, Elijah will go on to do even more miracles and be used even more so than Elijah was. The only caveat was if Elijah was there when Elijah was taken by God when he went up to be with God. If you've got to be there to get it. And so there was no way Elijah was turning away. So he hung out. And as I said, through the journey, Elijah gave him three other opportunities to turn around and go back. Like, you, you don't need to put yourself in this situation. No. Elijah said, no. I mean, we get plenty of opportunities to turn back. But if we want what God has for us, we say, no, I'm pressing on. And sure enough, Elijah pressed on. He saw Elijah taken. Only thing left was the coat, the cloak of the prophet. He throws it over his shoulders. He heads back, strikes the Jordan. The Jordan parts for him. He walks over, and Elijah's prophetic life begins. And for the next 50 years, Elijah was, he was faithful to the call. 50 years. And so uh, we have watched him. We have watched him when he first received his call. We watched him kill his cows and burn his plows and said, hey, we're going to take off. We realized that sometimes God will put us in a position where indeed, maybe a couple of times in life where it's going to cost us probably everything we're comfortable with. And we're going to have to put it down and reach for God and go for him. A couple of times in our life that we may find ourselves that. So we've looked at that. We've also looked at these three kings that needed water. They were, they were dying. They needed water in order to fight the fight. And uh, finally they get up with Elijah. And, you know, another thing about Elijah is he is no respecter of people. I mean, he, you know, he's going to do what God calls him to do. He's not intimidated, nor is he awed by anyone. Uh, he, he tells the three, you know, he kind of puts the three kings off for a little while. And then he finally says to them, okay, then they're thirsting to death, right? He says, go out and dig some ditches in this dry wadi. They're like, dig ditches? Where's the water? Dig some ditches. They dig the ditches. The water comes. They have plenty to drink. Then last week, uh, we saw a widow that had two sons. Her husband's debtors, the ones that he owed money to, came to her, said, you're going to either pay me what you owe me, or I'm going to take your two sons into slavery for the next six years. Uh, That's what the normal time was. That's all they could take them into servitude for, and then they had to release them in Israel. And so uh, she goes to uh, Elijah, and he says, what do you have in your house, right? And she she says, I have nothing in my house except, big word, right? We always don't think we have much, except a little oil, a little oil. And Elijah says, Go get every empty jar you can find and start pouring that little oil into every jar that you can find. And what happens, every jar is filled up with oil. 
As soon as they run out of empty jars, the oil stops. I mean, it, you know, offering God an empty jar, God loves to fill it. He loves to fill it. And, uh, and so she takes the money. She takes all the money or the oil. She trades it. She barters out until she's paid every debt off. And she's got enough to take care of her and her sons for the rest of their lives. I mean, God loves to meet the needs of his people. And I tell you something else. All of these stories have in common. There is a faith element in all of them that the people involved had to take. There was a step that every single person had to make. Now, most of the time, well, let's just say a lot of the times, that's the way it is. Sometimes God just, you know, we ask for something and God just drops it. I understand that, and I love it when God does that. And I've seen him do it in our lives, and maybe you've seen him do it in your life. And it's a wonderful thing when that happens. But a lot of times, just like these stories, the metaphors and all of these stories with Elijah show us, he asks us to participate with him. He asks us to take a step of faith, whether it's burning our cow, killing our cows and burning our plows, or whether it is digging the ditches when there's no water. Because you can't bring the water, but you can dig a ditch. Knowing what you can do and knowing what God can do is two different things. Sometimes God says, God says, go do what you can do to get ready for me to move. I don't have enough to pay off my debts. I don't have enough to take care of my boys. Go get every empty jar. You have a little bit in your house. I'm going to take the little bit and I'm going to multiply it. But she had to go get the jars, she and her sons, and she had to do the pouring to do it. So there's an element of faith in these stories, and there will be today as well. There's a little bit of faith, a step that many times we have to make. And to me, that's been the, that's been the theme through all of the stories. Have you ever misplaced anything? You know, it's just like the first service. Most of that were the guys that, that laughed. I don't know what that's about. But, uh, you know, uh, my wife gave me a very, very nice knife for my birthday a few years ago. Very nice. And now, don't judge me. It's a southern thing, okay? So I, I like knives. I have a brother who makes knives. And, and uh, I mean, it's, it was a nice knife. And usually it's even up here when I preach. It's always right there. Right, it's just I don't know part of my uniform. <laughs> you know, that's the way I grew up, and uh, I always had a knife. And and uh, uh, I have misplaced it. I haven't lost it, honey. <laughs> I have misplaced it. It is somewhere, <laughs> right? It is somewhere. But we misplace things, and you know what? We can do the same thing with our spirituality. We can do the same thing with our spiritual lives. We can at some point seem to lose the vitality or, or lose the excitement or lose the fervor, the appreciation of our faith or of Christ. And we can we could just kind of grow dull in, uh, in our spiritual life. You've got a fill-in in your handout this morning. I do this every Sunday. Uh, and this first fill-in is kind of the theme for this story that we're going to be over in Second uh, Kings with today in Second Kings in the sixth chapter in the first seven verses. And you know, here's your first feeling. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Because I didn't mean to lose that knife, you know. I, I, it's not, I don't love the knife, but you know, I appreciate it. And I seem to have to have a knife or I don't feel right. <laughs> and, uh, but God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose, And that is certainly true when it comes to 
the fervor and the passion and the appreciation that we maybe have had at one point in our lives with God. So let's read this, let's read this story. Our text, again, 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. This is a very, very cool story. Again, it's going to be metaphorical because all of these stories are metaphorical, the way we take them and apply them. But when you do look at them through a metaphorical lens, they just come alive. They just brighten up. It's like going to high def all of a sudden. The company of the prophets said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elijah replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. That's like double bad, right? The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there. And made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Lord, bless the reading of your word. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I want us to take a, take a sober look this morning at our life, at our spiritual life. And ask ourselves this question. How have we lost our spiritual edge? How have we lost our spiritual edge? How's it become dull? What's missing that used to be so wonderful in your life with your relationship with God, with Jesus? What is missing? You know how you go, there was a time, there was a time when, you know, I was so into the things of God. There was a time when I, I used to really love reading the scripture. I used to love hanging out in church and small group. There was a time when I, when I used to tell other people about Jesus, there, there was a time when I, I used to love going to church. and I used to love worshiping God. There was a time, but I don't know what's happened, but it's just not what it used to be. And I don't know where I lost it. I don't, I don't even know how I got to where I am. How did this happen? It's just like I've, I've awakened in, in this spot in my life, and God is just not that exciting anymore to me. Where did I lose my edge? Where did I lose my spiritual edge? Maybe there was a time when you couldn't even help but pray. Remember those times? Somebody would share with you like this, this family in Omaha, Nebraska, that's needing prayer. There's a t- there was a time when people would tell you to pray and boy, immediately you would go to prayer. Or if you were facing some challenge, immediately you would, your first thought was, let me talk to God about this. But now it's more like a shout out. Like, God, you know everything. You know, it's, you know everything. So since you know everything, there's no reason for me to say it. Or maybe, besides, you haven't been answering at least the way I want you to answer. So I just, you know, shout out, you're God. I'm Tim, whatever. And you go on, but it used to not be like that. It used to be alive. It used to be, it used to be a relationship. You couldn't wait to talk to God. You couldn't wait to take a walk on the beach and think about Him and what He's done for you, but that's changed. There used to be a time maybe where you shared Jesus with people. You, you got into a conversation and you were just waiting, you know, hoping that somewhere in the conversation the door just 
you know, like that, you know, it just opens enough that you can say, did you know God really cares about you? Did you know he really does? I mean, he, he really cares about this situation in your life too. I mean, you couldn't wait for that to happen. You weren't embarrassed to say anything about it. You weren't embarrassed to be a follower of Jesus in your, at, when you had that edge. You were looking for an opportunity to somehow be able to drop that in, that God loves you, cares about you. He really does. Where did we lose that? Where did it go? What happened? There was a time, maybe, with, like I said earlier, when you were in church and you enjoyed it. You know, you enjoyed serving in church. You couldn't wait to get there with other people or go to a small group or serve on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights or in youth group or in Vine Kids or, or wherever. You couldn't wait to join with other people so that you could be a part of something bigger than yourself. And then suddenly something happened. You got hurt. Something, something went wrong. And, you know, it's just not alive anymore. Where did that happen? And, you know, let's face this, too, as followers of Jesus. We have an enemy who would really love to dull our spiritual lives. You know, the devil would love. You know how you dull an axe? Some of you guys know. Anybody want to tell me how you dull an axe? Come on, man. Let me hear it. How do you dull an axe? All you got to do is shove it into the ground a few times, right? Shove it in the dirt. Keep, keep going into dirt or hit against something that it was not intended to cut on. Abuse it. Misuse it. Put it in places it's not meant to be. And the devil would love to take your spirituality and dull it till it was worthless. Till you no longer even gave a thought to how sharp your spiritual life was or could be. It's dull. Life becomes dull. Church becomes dull. Talking about Jesus becomes dull. It can happen to all of us. I dare say it will happen to all of us at some time, some place, or these stories wouldn't be in the Bible for us. You know, that's something to read. When you read these, you go, oh, they had the problem too. You know, it's like, yeah, they were humans. They were actually humans. Really. You know, these were human beings that lived, like me, like me and you. And, and so they had the same problems. And so, and then, you know, and I'm not talking about, let me, let me caution. I'm not talking about going, oh, for the old, you know, I wish it was like the old days because I know how we old dudes are, you know, because I know. It's just like surfing. Man, it was better back in the 70s. Man, the surf really broke great here. You know, Yasmin Pier, oh, man, it was six to eight foot glassy every day. No, it wasn't. It was knee-high dribble every day. But, you know, that's the way we look back and we think. It was like, no, it wasn't. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about going back to the good old days. I'm talking about the freshness of a relationship with God. A freshness that keeps you on that edge where you love to talk with God. You love to spend time with God. You love to be in His hands, to be used by Him. And life is an adventure. And you know this adventure is going to go on and on and on into eternity. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not going back to the good old days, but there is something somewhere probably, if we've hit a dull part in our life, somewhere at some point we got dulled. Our life got dulled. It got taken. I mean, just for a moment, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any time, do you remember a time when you were crazy? I mean crazy for God. I mean, you were just crazy for God. <laughs> Not only crazy, you know, that can still linger, you know. But So uh, I'm talking about crazy for God. I mean, you, you, I mean, some of us know, you know, I mean, 
insanity for Jesus. That's, that's the way we were, you know. And I'm not even talking about that, but I'm talking about the freshness, the fire, the expectation, the time when you could you stand in a grocery store line and the first thing that popped into your mind was, this person probably doesn't know Jesus. I mean, I've lived that. You know, you're sitting there and you're going, that person probably doesn't know Jesus. And then you're going, all right, God, have them turn around to me and let them cry or something, you know, something. Just give me a door, something, you know, just give me some way to do it, you know. And, and a lot of times it happened because you were expecting it. You dug ditches. You wanted to see it. You expected it to happen. And somewhere along the line, that sharpness, you know, that excitement wanes and we lose it. I remember we were, uh, we were in another church and we had just started this church too, about 15 or 20 of us and, and we were having a men's retreat and the pastor said, you told the guys, he said, you can only come to this retreat if you lead at least one person to Christ. That's pretty heavy to tell somebody that. You know, well, I took it serious. So I went out and found two dope dealers and I told Karen, I said, you pray for me, I'm going to their house right now, you know. So I went to their house. I wore those people down. I'm going to take for six hours. I sat there in their kitchen. And every time they tried to get out of the conversation, I went, yeah, but, you know, and I just kept going until I probably put my foot in their back and arm behind them and made them pray the sinner's prayer because I was going to the men's retreat. You know, I mean, that, then I got there and he said he was kidding. He did. He said, I was just kidding. You know, it's like, man, why do you tell me that? Jeez. That, you know, and I, that wasn't great that I did that. But, you know, the fervor, that excitement of wanting to taste God in the now, living with God in this present moment, that sharpness. I don't think, I don't think God wants us to really lose that. I know it's, there's a rhythm, there's an ebb and a flow to it. But I don't think God intended for us to lose that and to drift until there's no longer that edge. And God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose because most of us didn't mean to lose it. I mean, I've been there. I've been where, even as a, I've been a pastor a long time now. I was counted like, ordained in 1978. And a long time. But you know what? There, have been a, there's, there was a spot along in that journey where I got things mixed up. And I got burned out because I, I, my influence was no longer... Uh, I wasn't being influenced as much by the present now of God as I was trying to please people. And if you're a people pleaser, you know you can get wrung out trying to do that, don't you? You rescuers out there, hold up your hands. No, don't do it. But, uh, I mean, you know, my name's Tim, I'm a rescuer, that kind of thing. Uh, You know you can get worn out and God will ring. I mean, that kind of living will ring you out till you have nothing left for God. Nothing left. Until finally, you're so worn out, you walk, you step away. I found out that I was a full-time pastor, but a part-time follower of Jesus. That is a sad place to be. Because when I first went on staff at a church, I thought, woohoo, they're going to pay me to do this stuff, you know? Like, now I can go out on the beach every day and talk to people. But then I found I didn't have any time to go out on the beach to talk to anybody. That's why I tell you people... If you get an opportunity to go play golf with somebody that doesn't know Jesus on Sunday, take it, go. Spend some time with them. Befriend them. If you get a chance to go on a surfing trip on a Sunday, take it. Go spend some time with them. Just come back and tell us the story. Come back and tell us how it went. And keep your edge. Keep your spiritual edge. And somewhere when you misplace, you misplace that affection. And you do it. Nobody does this to you. 
We do this. We trade it for something. Then our life becomes dull. Our spiritual life becomes dull. We didn't mean to lose the intimacy. We didn't mean to become so self-absorbed in our own lives that when we look at our lives and we see all the stuff around us and we see everything we've been accumulating in life and then we look at our, we look at our spiritual life and you know, I've got nothing out there but I've got so much stuff here. Where did I lose my edge? Where did my affections, why did they shift from there to here? What happened? What happened? Second Kings 6.1. Let me just set this up for you. This is kind of like, I don't know if it was the first, but kind of like a seminary. You know, there were these prophets, and these young prophets would love for Elijah to teach them. And so they had a small house. I don't know if it was the same little house Elijah had or not. If it was, it was very small because he only had a lamp and a table in that little place that this woman made for him so that he could come and stay when he traveled through the area. But all these prophets were there, and, and it was getting really tight for them to sit around and listen to Elijah train them. And so they came to him, and they said, let's go out by the Jordan. Let's cut down some trees, and let's make, let's make us a, a, you know, a prophet school. Let's go out and build a center, a community where we've got more room to stay together, and also so that you can teach us, Elijah. And so Elijah goes, well, that sounds good. Go do it. And then one of them goes, no, I want you to go with us. Good thing. I want you to go with us. And so Elijah says, okay, I'll go with you. And uh, so they go out and, um, and they begin to, to cut the poles down. Now, this is your, this is your next fill-in. And uh, this is going to help us today. And that is we need to be honest about where we lost our edge. We need to be honest about that. Do an inventory. Look back. Go, where did it happen for me? Where did I lose my edge? Where did I trade it out for something else? What happened? I remember where I started losing it. It was when I, you know, started dating that person. Suddenly something became more important than my relationship with God. It shifted. I remember when I took that wrong turn in my life. I remember when I started doing some things I shouldn't have done, and it suddenly my relationship with God got dull and it's missing. You go back to that spot. I remember, I remember I used to give myself. I looked for opportunities to serve. I looked for opportunities to give. Heck, I was even a tither at one time. And now I'm like, well, you know what? I can't pay my own bills. I can't. I never, God never did anything for me or I've got too much partying to do. I got to have my money for that. You know, or I want to buy this. I want to buy that. And now it's shifted. Everything changes. Or maybe I got hurt by a church or maybe a pastor. Imagine. Human beings, one and all, us broken pastors. I got hurt by a pastor. And I said, I'm not going to church anymore, you know. I've had it. I've had it. That's not a good representation of, of what God is like. Go back and look for that point in time where you made some kind of decision and you, made, you drew a conclusion. And you stepped away from that freshness with God. Be honest about it. Be honest. Can you locate where you misplaced your spiritual edge? Your third one is this. With God's help, 
take back what you lost. With God's help, take back what you lost. Look at the story. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Iron, very valuable, very valuable at this time. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. And then here's the, you know, here's the really double whammy. It was borrowed. You ever lost something somebody? <laughs> or maybe you went and borrowed it like I borrowed it, and now you've lost it. Now you've got to come clean and tell them you lost it. I mean, that's even like the poor guy. Like, and that was, like I said, something very valuable. You lose something very valuable when you lose that edge and you lose that relationship with God and you lose that sense of adventure and that sense of God's presence in your life. Oh, my Lord, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, what did he ask? Where did it fall? Where did it fall? Where did yours fall? Where did your, the edge of your spirituality, where did it sink below the surface? Where did you lose it? Where is it? It's just misplaced. It's not lost. It's just misplaced and you can go and you can get it back. You can get it back. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Now, this is really interesting because in a lot of commentaries when it says cut a stick it means that Elijah took a fresh pole and made a brand new axe handle out of it and axe handles had to fit if you've ever had a good axe you know uh, some guys surely you know a little bit about axes in here right you know if you've had a good axe the handle and the way it fits into the into the head is super important Elijah evidently took this pole and he made it fresh and new. And a lot of commentaries say this is a picture of the freshness and the new beginning for someone who finds their spiritual edge once again. It's not going to, you know, it's going to be fresh. It's not going to be old like the good old days. You're going to get a fresh visitation, a fresh adventure with God when you can locate where you lost it. Where you misplaced it. So Elijah cuts this up and he drops it in the water. And, and don't misplace this. This is a miracle. It is a miracle because the iron floats to the top. It's not like some of us want to take it and kind of demythologize this thing or something. And then take the axe handle and go, well, he just did like this till suddenly it was perfectly on the axe head. That's not what this is saying. He dropped it ready for it to happen. Now what happens next? What does he say next? Somebody going to read it? What's the next words out of Elijah's mouth? Lift who? Lift it out. The guy that lost it lifts it out, right? Now, he could have gone, you know, right on the axe handle, right? Could have. But we're digging ditches here. We're taking empty containers with a little bit of oil in it, and God is multiplying it. God wants us to join him in this adventure. And so... Elijah says, you pick it up. You lift it out. God does what he can do. You do what you can do. And what you can do is find it, show God where you lost it. And when he brings it back to you, you grab it and you put it back on that new axe head. Right now. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Take it, 
Take it this morning. Get your spiritual edge back this morning. Look back and go, this is where I dropped it, but this is where I'm picking it up again. Now, remember the ditches. Remember the water coming. Only God can bring the water, but we can dig the ditches. Over in Revelation 2, 4 through 5, Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus, but there's a whole deal with this story. But here's something he says. He says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. And then he gives the directions for curing that. He says, repent. And then what? Do the things you did at first. There's the formula for getting your edge back. Consider where you are right now. Be honest. I've lost my edge. My spiritual life, my spiritual edge is not here. Be honest about it. Repent. All right, God, I repent of the judgments. If I need to forgive people, I forgive them. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Repent. That means you were going this way. You had no spiritual edge. You were dulled. You're going to go this way. Pick up the axe, put the head on it, and I'm going this way. You turn and you go. And then it says, go do the things you used to do. Now go do them. Do them. If you want what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. Because as you do that and as you act out and participate in what you used to do when your edge was sharp, you're going to feel life come right back into you. So do you know where you lost it? Do you know that spot? And look, God is for you. That's why we have these stories. God is a redeemer, a restorer. We're told that in Deuteronomy 30, verses 3 through 5. And in Matthew 12, 20 through 21, Jesus says, A bruised reed he will not break. If you're already beat up and you're hurting, Jesus is not going to just, okay, snap you in two. He is there to bind you up and for you to get your spiritual edge back. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. If you've only got that much of fire in you, God is not going to let that go out. He's going to turn that oil into that lamp as you make it available to him. And he will fill it up till you're burning bright again. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.